Okay, We're, we are in Romans chapter 14, and uh, hopefully we'll get to the end of this particular section. But I just want to remind you that uh, we're in the service area of the book of Romans. This is where the rubber meets the road and where we put into practice the things that uh, we've learned earlier in the book of Romans. And uh, in order to, to make a, a, a short outline of Romans, we use three words. Can you remember what they are? Three words. Be, all begin with S, just to make it easy. Saved, sanctified, and serving. Okay? Romans 1 to 5, saved. Romans 5 through 11, sanctified, made holy. And Romans 12 and 16, serving. So that, that's just kind of an easy designation of the book of Romans. And so we're in a very practical section of the book of Romans. And there's three big subjects when it comes to, to serving the Lord. And do you remember what they are? They're, they're th we use uh, three G's just for ease of, of remembrance. Romans chapter 12 is about what? Grace, gifts of grace, right. Romans 13 and 14 and into chapter 15 is about government. And then we haven't even studied this one yet, but Romans 15 and, and 16 is about the, the gospel. We have, by grace, we have the power to serve. By government, we have the, 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 the order for service, the, 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 the uh, control for service, and uh, the gospel is the, the thing that we actually serve. So it really is a kind of an easy way of, of designating what's happening, uh, happening in the book of Romans. And uh, within this, uh, this issue of government, there's, this, there's civil government, and then there's God's government, and then there is principles of acceptance, okay? Uh, and that's government as well. And so from verse, chapter 14, verse 1, to chapter 15, verse 7 or so, you get these, these principles of government. And uh, the first principle that we looked at uh, is chapter, one, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 to uh, uh, 13, and, and that principle, do you remember what it is? In order to be gracious with another person, in order to, to treat our brother well, what's the first thing we have to be careful to do or not do? Judge. Do not judge. Uh, so it starts uh, in verse 1, accept uh, him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. And then verse, in verse 13 it ends... Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. So that's the first principle. If we're going to live in harmony with one another and bless one another, uh, we need to learn this principle of not passing judgment on, on one another in regard to disputable matters. All right, so in verse 13, it's the swing verse because it talks about the next section opening up as well. Verse 13, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. And we began to talk about this subject last week, but we didn't really get through it very well. And so let's just go back over these verses and see if we can milk out the truths from, from these verses. Would somebody please read then uh, verse 13 
to verse 23. Somebody please read that passage. remember a football game a couple of years ago, a college football game in the, the States. We were watching it on TV, and, and uh, one team was losing badly, and uh, the, the coach was pretty upset, and uh, the, the, uh, the, the team, uh, the opposite team, had just uh, made a big catch, and the guy was running down the sidelines, and the coach actually stuck out his, his, his leg, and he tripped the guy along the sidelines, <laughs> right on national television. <laughs> Uh, and, and so uh, he was stumbling somebody, right? He was, he was causing them to trip, that's for sure. Now, we are gassed at something like that. But you see, we can, by our behavior, be just as bad at affecting another person who's in our fellowship, not an opposing team, but somebody who is actually in our fellowship. And we can, we can become just as, as uh, 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 guilty as, as if uh, we were that coach sticking out his, his foot to trip that uh, young ball player, football player. So we have to be careful with one another. What were some of the examples? What are some of the examples of how we might stumble one another in our freedom? Can you think of some examples? Hmm? Yeah, well, but that's, that's a sin, right? But, uh, putting somebody down. So we're not talking so much about sins. We're talking about things that in and of themselves are not wrong. Right? Suggesting here food and wine, drinking wine. Yeah, food and drinking wine. What was the problem with food, by the way, in the early church? Gentiles were mixing with Jews. And what was the issue with the Jews? 
no pork, no shellfish, and uh, uh, there were things that they couldn't eat, and so they were prohibited strongly. Can you imagine seating, eating, sitting in front of a Jewish brother, sitting eating your breakfast and devouring your bacon? You see, um, that brother, if he is just newly a Christian, might be very offended, might might be very wounded in his soul because. You, in your freedom, are taking your, your, your bacon, and he, in his, in his conviction, say, says, well, I can't eat that because I've made a solemn commitment, you see, to food, uh, to, restrain, or to refrain from these kinds of foods. So that young brother might be stumbled. Uh, and so this was a big problem in the early church. This was a big problem that uh, they had to be very careful because Jew and Gentile were, were, blended, were blended together. But there are some other issues, you see, things that are, that are quite right for us to, to indulge in. And we've mentioned food, we've mentioned uh, uh, wine. These, are, these things are not prohibited absolutely in Scripture, you see. So we have a freedom to partake of these things. Uh, what other things might be... be uh, Good within them. I, I think culturally, because we are in a society of uh, many, many cultures live around us in, in our community. Uh, being a Chinese, I know um, if you go to a Chinese funeral, you shouldn't wear bright colors. Like being in a Western culture, that wouldn't matter as much. You're not supposed to have makeup on. You're not supposed to wear very pale color. If it's not black or white, that kind of color, dark color, brown. Um, Blue, that maybe that kind of color. So you go into some occasions and you know it's sensitive in that way. Particular funeral, I think you're, you're paying some respect to the people, your friend or whoever's family. You, you need to respect that. And then if you walk in and you're Christian, you wear jewelry, you have makeup, or you have red. And, I mean, you know what I mean. It's yeah. Very yeah. Things. That's not respectful. Not respectful. Yeah. And they pass away. And you do not know that person's culture. And you show up at the funeral. Uh, is it? Right. Then they feel observed. The next time you won't do that. You will know. Yeah. yeah. Very much. Yeah. And we're talking particularly here about, about stumbling what kind of person? A, a new believer or, a, a, it says a weak believer at, in verse, uh, uh, verse 2 of chapter 14. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. And he goes on with this idea of the weak versus the strong in chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to, not to please ourselves. So it, it's not 
as if, okay, the person who's the most sensitive in all the assembly, they might be a senior Christian, but they're very sensitive. They, and they've, they, were, they were taught never to drink any wine. And so for the sake of, of appeasing that sensitive brother or sister, everybody in the church has to abide by their rule and, and, and not uh, drink any wine. Is that what's being taught here? Why? Why is it not being taught? Because who is he or she? Is she the weaker brother or should she be the stronger person? Yes. You see, it, it's not that we take all our cues from the sensitivities of the strongest person. We take, we take note of what might stumble the weaker person. That's the idea. Because what we want to do is love that person into spiritual growth and development. We don't want to trip them up. And so that's the principle here that, it, that is being taught. And uh, uh, it, it uses strong words here. Uh, look at uh, uh, verse uh, 15. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. And verse 15, if your brother is distressed, these are powerful words. You can actually crush somebody by exercising your perfect freedom. And so it's not about sinning against somebody. It's about wounding their tender conscience, wounding their, their weak heart in Christ. Right? Got to be very careful about, about children in the faith uh, so, that, so that we take care of them properly and, 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 uh, and give them some uh, grace and tolerance so that they don't get stumbled. What is, what, is it, what is meant by what, in verse 16, do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. What do you think of that? What does that mean? Okay. All right. To uh, to be uh, uh, careful about about uh, the the kind of jokes that are being taught, and, and sometimes we cross over the line, and we're we're actually speaking evil, right? We're we're speaking something that shouldn't be mentioned because it's a shameful thing. There's a good idea, Kath. There's got to be a balance so that we don't lose sight of that God's laws and right and wrong. We're talking here about principles. And on principles, there's 
wiggle room. There's room for personal conviction, for personal preference about how we live. Whether you want to eat shellfish or not, you see, <laughs> that's not a bad thing, right, uh, to, to eat shellfish. It, it, it's not a sin to drink wine. It is, it is, these are things in the scriptures that are allowed, and, and, and Christians are given freedom to do these things. And so we must not get into a legalistic idea of labeling these things sin when the scriptures do not call them sin. Do not allow what is good to be evil spoken of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and the person, and the person at the other end is not letting you know because maybe you didn't. You you just meeting the person. You do not know the person well. You're getting to know them. Uh -huh. You know how does that play? Yeah, that's what Alice was talking about before. Rose, I think we're talking here not about laws. So if, if, if you show up at a Chinese wedding or a Chinese funeral with bright red, right? <laughs> it's not a sin. All right? You've broken a principle of cultural respect, but it's not a sin in God's law, in God's eyes. So ignorance here is, there's, there, there's wiggle room. There's an, it's not that you've sinned, right? It's that, okay, if somebody comes to you and say, you know what, in the Chinese community, we don't dress like that in, in, for funerals, and you keep on doing it, then you're intentionally violating people. And that's where, and that's where the, this principle starts to get violated, right? It's, it's knowingly tripping up somebody, like that, yeah. like that coach sticking, sticking out. His, his. After all, he's a coach. That's right, Rick. Offensive for them. 
So anyways, you just, as soon as you heard that, just pray for our table. There's some unbelievers that were just very put off by it. So, so I mean, how does this work? Like, it, 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 some people think it's kind of evil to be praying for breakfast and, you know, hangovers are okay, so maybe it wasn't a really good situation. So what would the Lord say? If she prayed and, and, the, and the, the unbelievers or the Muslims were put off by it, what would the Lord say? If <laughs> he would yeah, say absolutely, good. Absolutely, right? But is, that, is that causing people that may be on the fence feeling uncomfortable? Well, okay. well, let's get back to our passage. We're okay. talking here about stumbling a weaker brother or sure. sister. Well, if you have a weaker brother sitting at your table, just kind of like, you know. They're on the fence. On the fence. Well, like maybe a new believer, it's, it's, it could be very uncomfortable. Because like I'm, I'm sitting there and. You get, you're getting some death stares, and you're, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty uncomfortable. You know, the declaration of the gospel is always offensive. Yeah. It's always offensive. Someone's going to be offended. Yeah. The declaration of the gospel, and that's why they call it the offense of the cross. Right? It's the offense of the cross. So when we preach, we're going to offend people. So... When you look at it from God's point of view, did the lady do anything wrong? No. Not at all. Not at all. Stood up for her faith. Yeah. Stood up for her faith. And, uh, and, and it's going to offend some. That's not what's being talked about here. Okay. Is it? Does anybody think that that's violating what's... Figure maybe it would be a stumbling for somebody. Like, I don't know, to me it was, you know... Might stumble them into the kingdom. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> They might say, oh, I never heard that before, and I want to more, know more about Jesus, and they might get saved. So it, it's, it's not a, you're not stumbling them by the declaration of the gospel. Uh, what about verse 17? For, this is, I like this verse. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What does that one mean? Is eating and drinking part of the kingdom? Part of the kingdom activity. Is it part of the kingdom activity? What do you think? Listen, listen to Jesus. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in the kingdom. In other words, when we get to heaven, and this, I'm looking forward to this, there's going to be huge, lavish feasts and smorgasbords. No good thing does he behold from those who walk uprightly. Heaven is going, to be, is going to be all the joys of earth, all the legitimate joys of earth taken to the nth degree. Nobody will be offended. Nobody will be offended. 
So I suggest to you that eating and drinking is part of the kingdom. But what does it say here? What is it, what's the idea? It's not about eating and drinking first. That's the idea that he's trying to make. This is not the first freedom that we are to grab. Okay, It's not about eating and drinking, and I would put that little word in, adding to scripture, I'm sorry. I put that little word in. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking first because the first principles, the more, the more important principles than the, feed, than the freedom to eat and drink is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Those are the things that we aim at first. And if to, to have righteousness and to practice peace in our assembly, we have to, we have to take care of the, the, the weaker brother and not have that glass of wine when it's stumbling that younger brother, so be it. Because we're after righteousness and peace first. All right. and, and, and that's how we get joy. All, right. all those things, all these things in this verse are legitimate. It's just that some things are more primary than others. Some things are more primary. Aim at, at righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and then ultimately they will be approved by men. So it's, it, I think verse 17 is, is a priority verse. What are the things that are, are the priorities in your Christian life? Uh, verse 19, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. And now he's talking not only to, uh, about peace, but about actually blessing the person because edification means building up the other person and he's going to get to that he's going to elaborate on that in a couple uh, more verses but once again in verse 20 do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food once again powerful word destroy do not annihilate do not obliterate it's a very powerful word do not obliterate the work of God for the sake for the sake of food because things can, can fall apart very rapidly when people take offense, when people are stumbled. All food is, is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's pretty clear. Once again, knowingly, right, Rose? It's, it, uh, your point is taken. If I do it without knowing... That's a different thing. But if I continue to do it knowing, and I sort of say, well, I'm a free Christian, and I can do whatever I want, and so you just got to shut up and put up by my behavior. We're not really caring for the, the weakened state of the other, the other person. Jim, at that point, does that become a sin? Yes. I would think so. It, 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 yes, Th this is true, you see. Uh, Non-moral issues can become moral issues. Because what, what particular law now am I breaking? Thank you. Romans, I'm going back to Romans chapter 14. Uh, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 13 and verse 9. The commandments, whatever else may, whatever commandment they may be, are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the commandment. 
And when I start to, to, to exercise my freedom at the expense of stumbling younger people, not loving. Not loving. So you're right. It becomes a moral issue. A non-moral issue now becomes a moral issue because of the effect I'm having another, on, another, on another person. I tell you, it takes a lot of grace to live in a community. You know, that's why a lot of, that's why a lot of Christians don't go to church. They've either been stumbled by somebody else or they want the freedom to pursue their own private way of living without having to worry about anybody else. And so they don't learn these lessons. These lessons are learned in the context of relating to one another within a close-knit body of believers. This is how to build the church. If you want to live on your own, you're not, going to even, you're not going to even mind these principles because they don't apply to your life. You're, you, you don't think about the other person. You just think about my personal freedom. So that's a good, that's a good point as well. What about verse uh, 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 chapter 14, verse 22 and 23? So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Interesting verse. By the way, these are, these are not only interesting verses, these are tough verses. Right. Tough. Whatever you believe about these things, and what, what are these things that he's talking about? When it says these things. Okay, preventing somebody from stumbling. What are the things, though? See, the food, the drink, uh, your particular choices of uh, clothing, uh, words you use, jokes you say, all of these things. The business you engage in. All right. The business you engage in. My forefathers came from North Scotland, from Dufftown area up in, in, the, in the, uh, the Highlands, and I'm sure all of them made whiskey. And they praised the Lord. <laughs> and we would say, you can't do that. You can't make whiskey and praise the Lord, you see, at the same time. And so you shouldn't be in that business, you see. But... Uh, I'm sure my, the Rennie uh, clan uh, made, made a lot of whiskey. Uh, it must have been good single malt whiskey because, but anyway, uh, that, is, that, that is another issue, you see, that someone might take exception to. But what he's saying here in verse 22, when he says, these things, keep yourself, keep between yourself and God, what does that mean? Okay, you pray about it for, for your own sake, right? You pray about the liberties and the freedoms that you would, uh, you would, you would uh, practice in your life. Good idea.
like I have a, a girlfriend, um, she's of a different religion, and they don't, she don't eat pork and like this and shrimp and all. So when we go out to eat, we just order chicken. Yeah, we just do. <laughs> well, good for you. You see, that's that, that's being gracious. Sure, that's that's being gracious. So, so you limit yourself for, for the purpose of of caring for another person. You limit yourself. That's good. But what else? What might it mean? Keep between yourself and God. Could it be that um, it's not really up to you to try to um, change that person um, to your way of thinking? Yeah. Um, it's between you and you and God, and it's a personal conviction. That's right. So personal convictions are not laws, and they should never be proclaimed as laws to others, other people. They're not laws. So if I start proclaiming a law, oh yeah, I believe that shellfish are out, you see, we shouldn't eat shell. So I am going to stand up in the, in the church, and I'm going to start preaching this as a rule for others. Godly or ungodly? Ungodly, see? Because I'm making laws where the scriptures don't make laws. And then I'm becoming a legalist, because that's what legalists do. They make laws where there are no laws. So I think, there's, uh, to Kathy's point, there is this idea in this verse as well. In other words, keep it between yourself and God. Don't make it a law for somebody else. Absolutely. See that? Now, the one question I've got for you is, what if you were to have a young believer coming in who believes that everyone should dress a certain way and is offended if that person, if, if people don't dress that way, and yet the majority are, are mature Christians? How, how should they respond to that? Yeah. Well, they certainly... How would, how would you deal with that? <laughs> let, let me just put it back <laughs> to you. <laughs> I think, once again, there needs to be sensitivity in the way you uh, uh, talk to that person. But I believe that uh, a young brother, and, and this is what's, what was happening in that church. You know, young uh, Christians were coming in all the time, and they were coming in with all of their sensitivities. They were coming in with all of, of their un, ungodly uh, principles. And they needed to be educated in the truth. So I think it would be incumbent upon... The, the, the senior and elder brothers and sisters to, to gently teach that young person what the truth is and show, show them these very principles that God is not so concerned about the clothing. He's not concerned about the uh, outward appearance. God looks on, uh, uh, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on, on the heart. And those principles need to be taught to, to, to that at that young person. Do you believe that the whole assembly should dress in a shirt and tie just to please that? Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. But then in the same token, like what we just said, the balance of it. If you seeing that's the need, it's very important, like you said too, because people are gently told about the principles. Yeah. And but depending on how severe is the division in this matter, I think that uh, we need to look at it as like um, respecting each other and not yeah. being the stumbling block for sure. Absolutely. Everyone comes with their own bias and beliefs or what. Yeah. But I think if, if as Paul is saying, if we stick to the word of God and this is what the Bible says and present it as not our opinion, but this is God's word, I think it, it will go go over better to the weaker person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's something I will never compromise. Right. He's not right. just a good moral teacher. He's not just, you know. But the way we dress when we come up to Sunday school should be neat, should be clean, sure, should be modest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But do all women have to wear skirts all the time? You know, a generation ago that was acceptable. Yeah. That was the expectation. Right? When I was a little girl, we, you wouldn't wear pants to church. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, it depends on your congregation. There'll be norms for different congregations, what's just unspoken, what's generally accepted. But with a new believer, we want to teach them the principles of God's word, not just our cultural preferences. Absolutely. Like we said. Yeah. And that's a good that's a good uh, example, right. right? Yeah, a young young lady comes into the church and she smokes. Uh, do we come down hard on her and say, "Well, that's a sin"? By the way, is it a sin? The Bible calls smoking a sin. Do you have a, a chapter and verse? Just in that you can say it defiles the, the temple, but then smoking is not the only thing. If we went by that principle. Overeating is violating. Yeah. Too much sugar is violating the right. temple, right? Everything would be a violation, you see? No. Because you are damaging basically your body that you're supposed to go back. Yeah. But is it in itself, in and of itself, is smoking a sin? Yeah. So, if, if Tim, if there's a young man that comes in, you know, young guy comes into the, the chapel and he, he's, he, he smokes, he goes outside and he smokes. He knows not to smoke inside the building, but he goes outside and smokes. Would that be the first thing you go after him for? 
By no means, you see, because it is based upon, it's principle-based, not law-based. Now, if he was robbing the bank every week, <laughs> I think you may have to go after him on that behavior, you see. <laughs> see, I, I think we're getting the point there, all right? Now, what about verse 20? Uh, let's see. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Another interesting thought. See? Now, these are things that are not these are things that are not in and of themselves immoral and breaking God's law. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he does approve. What does it mean? These are not easy verses, are they? Could that be someone, um, someone who has, feels that there is a freedom for himself, but he receives criticism, and um, he has a choice there whether he should then abandon his, his um, own conviction that it isn't a sin, and you know, beat himself up for doing it or whatever, and stop, or to reevaluate it and say, this is, this is my personal conviction before the Lord, I have the freedom to have this conviction as long as I'm not stopping the other brother. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as Christians, we need to have a strong sense of personal conviction. That's what we need. And I think, I think that's what you're getting to, right? We need a strong sense of personal conviction. If we don't have a strong sense of personal conviction and we live by the convictions of others, then when others are not around, what do we do? Leslie, we just, <laughs> we do our own thing, right? As soon as others are not around, as soon as nobody from the church is watching me, I can go out and do whatever I want, see, because I live by the convictions of others. But that's not what the Bible's teaching us to have. The, 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 the Bible's teaching us to have a strong sense of personal moral conviction so that whether others are looking or not, we behave in this way. And that person is blessed with a strong sense of moral conviction. He does not condemn himself by what he approves. He's, he, he's, he's weighed it out for himself. And, and uh, uh, he is, he's not living guilty about what he himself is doing. But verse 23, but the man who, who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Very powerful verse. Okay. You need to have a strong sense of internalized moral conviction if you're to be mature in the Christian life. Because if not, you're not living by faith. You're not living with a sense of accountability to God. Like I say, if you, if you live by accountability to the elders, as soon as the elders are not there, you can do anything you want. Right, because you don't have a strong internalized sense of moral conviction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's an example? What's an example? Like, is it say maybe I'm not thinking properly? Is it like say you drink wine? Yeah. 
drink wine, it doesn't matter if they're with, you're with believers or by yourself? Is that kind of what it's trying to say? It means when you drink wine, you have peace in your heart that God has given you the freedom to drink wine. And you can stop drinking wine at any time if it's going to offend a younger brother. But you know and believe in your heart and you have peace in your heart that it's okay to drink that wine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's it's okay to eat the hamburgers with a big... (laughs) What's that? But what's that? It, it, it offends another mature brother. Should we live by the person? Should, should we live according to the principles of the one of the most sensitive, uh, 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 the most sensitive person in the church? But you have to realize you're not going to be able to please everyone. Because if you keep pleasing people, then you will just go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. When I came back from Zambia, when I came back from Zambia, we, we went and visited on a Sunday afternoon. We visited someone, uh, someone in the assembly asked us out, and he asked if I wanted a beer. I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. I, I, because I, I, I had that view, and it, it came right back from my parents, you see. You know, there's a difference between wine and beer. Wine is for Christians, beer is for the unsaved. <laughs> so, so when somebody, when he offered me that beer, I thought, what have I gotten into? What kind of church is this? So you see, I had to adjust my convictions. I really did. I had to adjust my convictions to, because that, that really is hypocrisy, isn't it? Right? It's just hypocrisy. Actually, there's, there's, there's less alcohol in beer than, 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 in, than in wine. <laughs> you see. So I had to adjust my convictions. And, and, and uh, that's what we have to do all the time. <laughs> After I got over choking. <laughs> Listen, our time is almost gone. But... but uh, uh, just to finish that chapter, I, I didn't. By the way, I didn't. I didn't drink the beer. I, 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 I personally, personally, it's not the drink that I that I appreciate at all. So, but anyway, uh, uh, if, if I start violating my own conscience, I'm sinning. This is where that non-moral thing becomes moral, right? It, the non-moral issue becomes immoral because I'm violating my own conscience. I'm violating my own convictions. Okay, our time is gone. We've got, maybe we can go back to chapter 14 if you want, but we've really gotten uh, technically to the end of the chapter, and we're going to start the last principle, chapter 15, verse 1, the last principle of, of acceptance in, in, uh, in chapter 15, verse 1. Alice, I wonder if you could pray for us.